Now today it's a different place All the same with a new face With strange mysteries hanging in the air People in their sane minds Swear they see you today Are you looking for the love they took away? The most ghoulish of day to you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes that just went through the old listening vessels is courtesy of the legendary Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. This week I have my friend, return guest, Hollywood stuntman, Rick McCollum on. Rick has been a professional stuntman actor, and stunt coordinator for well over 35 years. He has more than 75 movies and projects to his name. Rick has been in a ton of horror movies, most notably Hatchet 2, where he is chainsawed in half by his best friend, Kane Hodder, also known as Jason Voorhees. Rick's real passion is the paranormal, and he's been investigating it since about the age of 13. Rick is one of the founders of Hollywood Ghost Hunters. The team includes Jason Voorhees and Leatherface. (coughs) I mean, Kane Hodder and R.A. Mihailov. Rick has investigated all throughout the United States, as well as Scotland, England, Ireland, and Australia. Now, this guy who's been in horror movies and is best friends with some of the bloodiest movie serial killers, is afraid of my monster voice. So I will welcome him on with that voice and his reactions always crack me up. So here we go. I will add that right now. You know, I mean... You guys, my guest, he is like the most stunningly handsome guy on the planet, like on every continent possible. And he's really, really tall, right? And what else? That's pretty much extraordinarily talented. Should have won three Pulitzer Prizes by now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So now I can get on with the introduction. Welcome back to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast, Rick McCollum. I've missed you. Oh, I'm hanging up. You know that voice scares the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I do it so much. I love messing with you. Boy, you and the rest of the world lately. Lately? Well, you know, with this pandemic, I can't go anywhere. I'm locked in my own room. You're locked in your own room? Oh, dear. And and, and I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've heard all of my jokes. I mean, so I'm not that much company for my own self, so... Well, you got to come up with new new jokes, you know? I am, but I'm afraid I'll know what the ending is before I get there. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. This pandemic's driving all of us crazy. Just got to hang in yeah, there. Yeah, well, I decided to let my hair grow so that I would look more like Sam Elliott. And then I looked <laughs> at myself in the mirror and I look like, more like Mama Cass Elliott. So. <laughs> oh, my God. My, my plans were dashed on that one, too. Sam Elliott, another handsome fella. Yeah, every every girl in the world loves his voice. (laughs) 
I tell you, it's like that man never ages. You see him in older movies and then just like recent movies and shows, and it's like, holy shit, dude looks exactly the same. Well, he's got gray hair now. Oh, terrific hair. And you know, and you know if you don't have gray hair, you're just not sexy as a guy. That's the way I look at it, seeing as I now have gray hair, and I need something to fall back on. <laughs> That's true, you know, and so the Sam Elliott haircut didn't work for you. Maybe the Farrah Fawcett will go better with you. I know how much you like her hair. Well, I, you know, it goes with my outfit on Saturday, so I'm used to it. <laughs> Just on Saturdays, well, Farrah, huh? Farrah was my girl, boy. No, she, was, she was the one that made my little heart go pitter-patter. Yeah, well, she's a hottie, so I got it, yep. <laughs> now... Rick, first, let me start off with congratulating you. We've talked, you know, since you've released, published your first book, but I just want to congratulate you on the podcast, Ghost Believe in Me. It really seems to be doing good. It seems people are really, truly enjoying it and love reading it. You sent it to me through email quite a while back, and you guys, it really is a great read for sure. So, Rick, tell the folks out there about your book, how can they get their hands on an autographed copy and what have you? Well, you know, you can get the book through Amazon. It's called Ghost Believe in Me by Rick McCullum, which would actually, well, that's me. And if you want an autographed copy, all you have to do is, you know, give me a personal message on Facebook and I'll tell you how we do it. And I tell you, I've, I was surprised. I thought I bought a lot of books, you know, to be able to do that. And I didn't expect very many people to want to have my moldy autograph. But I mean, I, a day and a half, they were gone. So I ordered another bunch. They went in a day and a half. I ordered another bunch. Just a couple days they went. I just just got another order now, and they're half gone already. I just got them yesterday or two days ago. You know, they go quick. So it makes me happy that people are liking the book. And I think what's really cool is on Amazon, every one of the reviews that people put up was five stars. So that was that makes me happy too. That's terrific. Yeah. It's a great book, you guys. I mean, seriously, I really, you have really great investigations added in there and then some really sweet personal stories. And it really is just a really good read. I always love hearing about people's encounters with the paranormal and unknown. And I just love reading those kind of books. So yeah, it's definitely a, a good book to have for sure. Well, you know, my friend Ari Mihailov, he's one of the guys in the Hollywood Ghost Hunters. Yeah. And, and he plays Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Right. Well, when I wrote the book, I had him in mind, so I put a lot of pictures in it so he could enjoy it, too. That's cool. That is awesome, <laughs> for sure. You know, yeah, I even asked you a while back if you think he would be on. And so I wrote him, and he was really sweet. He wrote me back. And so he's, he's taking it into consideration. And so I was just, uh, we were chatting. I told him how when I was a kid, I ran into Robert England, Freddy Krueger several times, and just kind of talking movie monsters and what have you. So he uh, sounds like a nice guy. Oh, you didn't tell him you knew me, did you? I did, and he's like, oh, that asshole. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) No, I did, and he said any friend of yours can be a friend of his, so he he seems to really like you. We get along good. All of us do. Well, I would hope so. You guys are like besties, so... Rick, how did it come about? We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff tonight, obviously, this week. But how did it come about 
you becoming a stunt man for Hollywood. Well, you know what? That's a story that's in the book, and it's pretty cool. When I was roughly three years old, my mom and dad took me to a John Wayne movie. I think it was a John Wayne movie. It was a Western anyway. And there was a scene where the big wagon goes over a cliff and out into the water. And when we got home, our house that we lived in was a split level. So there were stairs inside the house, you know. Yeah. And my mom and dad were sitting there watching TV because they took me to a matinee. My dad says, I looked up and here I saw you pedaling your little butt right off as fast as you could go in your pedal car heading right for the stairs. <laughs> he says, and I took off and I didn't quite catch you. He said, you went airborne, bounced down the stairs and got two black eyes. <laughs> wow. He said, he said, right then, I knew what you were going to do for a living. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I, kind of, I, kind of, I was always the kid that was jumping off the roof and riding the motorcycle, standing up. You know, that's uh, doing stuff you really shouldn't do. Don't try this at home. Yeah. So I, I just always knew that I wanted to do something that was physical and was hard to accomplish. So that, that's actually why I went into that. Yeah, like a good challenge. Now, obviously, being a stuntman is not all fun and games, obviously. There are several times where you've gotten badly injured. What are your, I would say, what are your top three worst injuries that you endured while filming? Well, I, I don't know about, you know, if, they were, if I was really badly injured, but I got really hurt. And there's a difference. Uh, injury is like when you, you know, break a leg you know, or something like that, a, uh, you know, getting hurt is when you really knock the living hell out of yourself, and it takes, you know, over a month to feel better. Hey, and I had, are you getting technical yeah. with me? Rawr. <laughs> Stop that. No, but uh, one of them, Kane uh, always cracks up. We did a movie called Project Metal Beast, and I was doubling Barry Bostwick, and the idea of this is this seven-foot hybrid human metallic werewolf, which was built basically by by Perry, turns on him. So I go over there to double him, and Kane's telling me, he goes, okay, here's what I want. I, he's going to slap, you know, Barry in the face, and then you're going to double him. I want you to go flying through the air and smash and you know. I said, okay. And he says, but I don't want to see you land at boxing. Now, Boxes are a stunt guy's best friend when you're being thrown through the air and stuff. If you ever watch movies and fight scenes, you'll see guys land in boxes a lot. Hmm. Right? He said, I don't want to see that. Yeah. So he walks off to get the makeup and stuff, and I'm looking around, and we were in a water filtration plant, and it had those huge steel roll-down doors. So nobody was around, so I took a run, and I jumped up and uh, hit it with my shoulder, and it bounced me back like three or four feet. I mean, like a trampoline. Boing! Right? And I went, Okay, I've got an idea. Kane's going to freak out over this. So he comes back out, and I've got the mini tramp, the professional mini tramp set up about 10, 12 feet from the wall. And he comes up, and he goes, so what are you going to do? And the director's standing there, and I said, well, here's what I want to do. I want to get back here. I'm going to do a full sprint. I'm going to hit this, go upside down backwards, and hit that wall. And Kane looks at me, and he goes, really? And I went, yeah. And he goes, what are you going to land in? He says, we can see the whole floor and stuff. I said, I'm going to land on the ground. <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, you're not serious. I said, I'm absolutely serious. Get a nice slow motion camera over here and, and turn me loose. So I look over at him and there's two young guys standing there talking to him, you know, probably 21 or so. And I get back, they yell action. I go 
flying. I mean, I'm sprinting as fast as I can. I hit it, did it perfectly. Went up in the air, hit flat on my back as, you know, boom! But I hit the door so hard, it went backwards and didn't give me a single bit of push, and I went straight down out of the concrete on top of my head. Uh-huh. And, yeah, that, 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 that'll uh, either put you out completely or will definitely wake you up. Yeah. But I knew when I landed that my face would be towards the camera because I didn't get bounced back where I could turn away in the midair, right? So as soon as I landed on my head, I spun around so that when I actually landed, you know, my whole body landed, I'd be facing away from the camera. So, you know, I, they yell cut and I get up and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Yeah. And Kane comes up and goes, he goes, are you all right? And I went, yeah. He says, man, he says, that's the hardest hit I've ever seen. <laughs> I said, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> right? But I looked over and the two kids were like scurrying away that Kane had been talking to. <laughs> and I said, what happened there, Kane? He says, well, he says, I just told them what they were going to see was a slobber knocker. And that's a, that's a, th- a word that we use in uh, the stunt business when you're going to hit something really hard and get the slobber knocked right out of you. you know? <laughs> so, but anyway, I said, when they saw you go out that thing and fly and hit the wall and hit the ground and stuff like that, I think they're going to become accountants. <laughs> so, that was one that really banged me. An- another one was a movie called Dark Wolf. And I played the Dark Wolf in the movie. And actually, there, th- this was funny because there was a human version of the Dark Wolf and the wolf version. I was the wolf version. Kane was the human part. Right? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so the part that, that, that I'm doing, I have to run and jump on top of this car with the, our heroes in it. There's four of them. And I start smashing the car, you know, ripping, breaking the windows and ripping the roof off. And the car takes off, you know, just slams on the gas. It takes off, you know, going backwards. And I'm hitting it, banging on it and stuff. And then the, the driver, who was a guy named Chuck Waters, who's one of the all-time best drivers in stunt business, and a friend of mine, but that's, I hired him because he's so darn good. Because the secret of the whole thing is he's got to make that slide so I can actually hit where I'm supposed to go. It's not easy. Mm. But, I mean, he hit it right on the button. Well, we needed something for me to bash into, and there was absolutely nothing on that. We were at a, uh, like a factory area. So he and I went up and got a lot of 55-gallon drums, you know, the big oil drums. Yeah. And we set, we set them too wide and too high. So it was thick and it was high, right? So they were probably six feet high and stuff like that. So we go flying, you know, he goes flying backwards. I don't know, we're going over 20 miles an hour. And then he does like crack the whip to make it spin. And that adds more force. So I see my spot and I jump and I hit it head first and with my shoulder going into these steel barrels. (laughs) And just as I went flying in, they all started flying around like bowling pins. You know, because I'm boom, and I mean, these barrels are flying, and they're hitting me all the time I'm going through them. I mean, like, boom, boom. Oh. And one of them hit me on the side, you know, you know, the top where the side is. Yeah. Hit me right, hit me right in the middle of my left ear. And I mean, boom, and I was like, oh, right? That one almost knocked me out. But it didn't, because I have a real hard head. But I, I had no idea. It's weird. When you're doing a fall, you have to be air aware. You have to know where you are, and you have to know where the ground is. Yeah. And every time some of these barrels would hit me, it'd make me go somewhere else. So I'm like, you know, I look like I'm on a gimbal and just go, you know, spinning around. 
And finally, I go flying out the other side, you know, and I'm on the ground, and I have to roll away real quick because the car takes off. They don't want to see me down there, right? So I roll away, and I'm laying it on my back because I'm still a little little fuzzy, shall we say, right? right? And everybody comes on over. Matter of fact, one of the funny things is that you can tell in the stunt business when you got a really good chance of getting hurt is when the cast and crew comes out to watch the stunt. So <laughs> as I was going out, one of the girls came running up to me. She goes, Rick, is this going to hurt? And I went, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, are you going to get injured? I said, let you know in a minute. And I turned around and jumped on the hood of the car. <laughs> right? But uh, the funny thing was I'm laying there, and, and Robert Pettigraft, who's also a member of the Hollywood Ghost Hunters, and Richard Friedman, who was the director, who's also a member of the Hollywood Ghost Hunters, came running over there, and a bunch of people came running around to see if I was even alive. I'm laying flat on my back, and Robert starts taking the mask off, you know, because it's actually animatronic, and it's a big head. So he's taking it off, and I'm sitting there, and they're saying, don't move your neck, don't move your neck. And I'm like, all right, I'm just laying there. And when they pull it off, they can see the blood coming out of my ears, and they're all thinking I've got a brain injury, mm. right? And I just looked at them, and I said, a barrel hit me in the ear. I said, it's cut on the inside, nothing like you think of. Yeah. Right? So they looked at me, and he goes, yeah, there is a cut in there. Right? So I looked up at Richard. He goes, are you all right? And I said, just say the three little words I want to hear. He looks at me and he goes, what are those? And I said, perfect, moving on, <laughs> which means that's enough of that. We're going to the next scene. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no take two, huh? <laughs> no, to, no take two. He laughs. He looks at me. He turns around and yells, perfect, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, that one knocked the hell out of me. Wow. You can imagine if you're, on the, if you're on the hood of a car and it spins real fast, they give you more inertia. You go head first into steel oil barrels. Yeah, my body hurts just hearing you talk about that stuff. I, it must be kind of refreshing when you're in a movie where you don't have to get hurt. <laughs> what, what is that like? Well, I don't know. When it happens, let me know. <laughs> well, I was doing real good through Hatchet 2 until they sought me in half. Yes, yes, and in no place, no man wants to be sawed in half. Well, yeah, where he started, it, 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 there's a funny story about There was another guy who was in the movie, and he was actually the, the, the comic element of it, real funny dude named Colton Dunn, who is actually on uh, Superstore right now. He plays the guy in the wheelchair. Hmm. And he doesn't use a wheelchair in real life, I don't think. But we're out there, and uh, I told him to bring a cup for when this day happened, because I was the assistant stunt coordinator. And he goes, why? And I said, I've known Kane for a long time, and Kane doesn't, he's just like Tina Turner. He doesn't do anything nice and easy. <laughs> I said, so get a cup, protect, protect yourself, because he's right behind me. He gets it between the legs, too. You know, so we're actually the first place we get hit by this chainsaw is right in the crotch. I mean, oh. Yeah. So I happened to be going, I came out of Outback, and I was walking across, and I went into the sports authority, and as I was walking down this one aisle, I looked and I saw there was a cup and a uh, jock strap, and I said, I'm, I'm grabbing one just in case Colton doesn't have it. So we get there, and I asked Colton, he goes, oh, I forgot. I said, here, I bought you one. Right? He goes, do I really need this? I said, trust me. So after we did this, and Kane comes up and hits us, and we're bouncing on the chainsaw up and down and yelling and screaming and everything you might imagine, and we did several takes of it. <laughs> and when we were done, the first thing Colton does, he comes up and he goes, Thanks, man! <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, I said, you would not want to go, that without, go through that without a cup on, trust me. 
Yeah, that I tell you, man. Yeah, the Hatchet series, it's a good, they're good movies for sure. I think it's really neat that you get to work at times with such good friends, you know, and be in movies together, such as, you know, the Hatchet series and Dark Wolf and so on. So talk, if you will, about your friendship with Kane and R.A. You guys are in movies together. You're in a paranormal team, Hollywood Ghost Hunters together, just three villains hanging out. How did it all begin? Well, I figured that I was just too handsome to be on TV and we'd need some big, nasty, ugly dude. (laughs) Of course, obviously, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Well, no, that wasn't it at all. Uh, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, Kane, Ari, and I were doing a movie at Mansfield Prison in Ohio, which is very haunted. Yeah. And we, we had a, an experience where we saw a dark shadow at the end of the thing, and I turned around to tell Kane he was gone. And I was like, oh, what the hell? Even Jason runs away, right? <laughs> and I turned around and looked back towards the shadow, and Kane's running towards it. I was like, oh, finally found a guy that I'm going to start my group with. Somebody that goes forward and doesn't go backwards. Right. So then Ari will tell you that uh, we brought him in because we need somebody, you know, more attractive, to, you know, pretty up the group. But if you've ever seen Ari, you know that's not the case. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and as far as, you know, as far as the pretty meter, I don't think any of us, you know, nudged the bar up too high. So, um but yeah, we started doing, you know, we started doing the ghost hunting and things like that. And uh, then we ended up being on Ghost Adventures, which was really cool. Yeah, and as far as the movies, I mean, Kane and I were talking just the other day, and he says he thinks we've done 26 things, and I think it's probably 30, because there's some that aren't on, on IMDb that we've done together. Oh, you know? wow. That's um, a good amount, man. That's huge. Yeah, and then the RA and I have done, I think we've only done two movies together. But I've known him for a long, long time. He's been my friend for a long time. Yeah, we did Fallen Angels and we did Hatchet 2 together. Yeah. And Ghost Adventures. That counts. That's another show. So three three with uh, R.A. Oh, that's neat. For sure. Yeah, it seems like you guys are a good bunch of guys. And I bet you have a bunch of funny stories about just hanging out and stuff. <laughs> I will tell you one that was funny. The, the, one of the guys that does the haunted uh, prison, you know, for Halloween... Mm-hmm. we were talking to him about his stuff and he goes yeah he says and every year I have to drag all that stuff down to the basement you know to store it and I just looked at Kane and he looked at me we didn't say a word the guy walked up he goes alright let's go to the basement right so we go down to the basement and we find this mannequin real scary looking looks like a mean Angus scrim and we carted upstairs down in the prison where we were shooting he had to walk from the holding area which is like the foyer of the building you know the lobby yeah. And then you walked down through these hallways, and then you made a right-handed turn, and it went through, like, um, maybe 10 yards of walls. And there was a office on one that was closed. You know, there was, the door was open, but there was nothing in there to speak of. So Kane says, let's put it right here. And he puts it right in the doorway. And I said, no, no, don't put it there. He goes, why not? I said, let's slide it back just a little bit so people will see the outline of it, and they'll have to lean in to see it. <laughs> he goes, yeah, that's a good idea. So we start walking back, and it, I'm serious, it was less than 30 seconds. Kane looks at me and he goes, you think anybody will ever find it? And we heard the most blood-curdling woman movie scream in history. If they've been filming it, they could have used it on every single thing. And he looks over at me, and I looked at him, and I said, well, I'm going to say yes, somebody's going to find it. 
right? So, <laughs> so yeah, we we are kind of known pretty well as being kind of pranksters, all of us. Yeah, I hear you. I I was always class clown and always pulling pranks at school too. It's just life's too short not to have some fun. <laughs> well, you know what I say? It's not that life's so short; it's just that you're dead for so long. Exactly. I'll tell you another funny story. When we were doing Hatchet Two, we were at uh, Occidental Studios. And we were sitting in uh, R.A.'s dressing room, which is actually an office, you know. And he's sitting on this small couch, and he's got his back to the window. The window's up to the to the uh, left side of his head, if you're looking at it. And he's telling me and Kane and uh, Robert Pendergraft a joke. And he's going like this. He goes, and God is going to get you! God is going to get you! And right hand <laughs> lightning hit right outside the window. Oh, <laughs> And I was filming R.A., and, and the look on his face is so freaking funny. I mean, all, you know, me, me and Kane are rolling on the ground, right? And I said, hey, R.A., I think somebody doesn't like that joke, right? Oh, that's and funny. Said, and I looked at him, I said, R.A., you're the best storyteller. You come with your own sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff that happen on, happens on the show. Yeah, you know... I think it's like, it's neat. I've talked to different people. Um, actually, just a few days ago, I was talking to Harrison Smith. He's done a lot of movies and um, director, producer, writer and stuff. And he was telling me about some of uh, like behind the scenes type of thing. And I always love hearing about that kind of stuff because it's like, we the viewer don't even know any of these things happened you know and some of them are heartwarming some are scary some are just like hilarious and so like say like for hatchet for instance like you know that right there we the viewer didn't know that happened and that's hilarious was there anything else kind of like behind the sceney you know oh, whether there was a lot of stuff there was a one scene kane and hack and hatchet two plays victor crowley's father and victor crowley yeah Right? So the scene where he's chopping the front door down and he hits Victor in the face, obviously he can't play both parts, so I played Victor in that thing. <laughs> and I, I doubled him in other places when he was acting as the father, because Kane's a great stunt guy. He can do any stunt I can do. He can do it easily. Right? Yeah. But he can't be in two places at once. Well, the lead girl in the first movie was Tamara Feldman, and... She was real nice. I, I got along great with her. I got along great with, with everybody, so I, you know, but she was really nice. And there's a scene where she's in the boat, and Victor comes up and grabs her, just yanks her backwards out of the thing and drags her under the water. So I told her, I said, uh, Tamara, you know, when I grab you and stuff, it's very important that we go underwater. I'll, I won't hold you down any longer than I know you want. It's not, not going to be that long. But we both have to be underwater so we manage. Right? Yeah. Well... I had not been in the water with the suit on, which was made out of rubber and silicone and things like that. Oh, no. Well, so I'm reaching over, and I'm trying to figure out how to grab her and yank her out without hurting her. And I thought, okay, if I could get her by the top of her pants, because she's facing away from me, then I can lift her up over the edge of the boat so she doesn't hit that, and then I can just pull her in. Yeah. Right? So I looked over, I said, Tamara, do you mind if I just put my hand you know, in, in your pants just to the top of the thing so I can get hold of the band? So I can yank you out. She goes, yeah, okay. So I said, remember, you have to stay under. Now, this, this is so cool. Anyway, I rip her out of the boat. I push her down. 
and I can't go down because I float. Oh my God. <laughs> and as soon as I shove her underneath, she grabs my arms and pulls me under. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, she, so she saved it. And it was so funny. I think she just knew he's not coming down, he's floating. Oh my you know? God. Wow. See, I love that kind yeah. of stuff. It's the things that we don't know. That would be neat. That would be kind of like a neat book to- topic, like, you know, like behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you one more from Hatchet 2 that was really cool. There's a scene where, actually, I think this was the first Hatchet, I think. I'm not sure. It was one of them. And the girl swings a shovel. could have been Daniel Harris. It could have been uh, Tamara. I'm not, I'm not really sure which one it was. Because I've worked on all four of them, so I kind of get confused. Yeah. But she swings a shovel and hits Kane in the in the mug, right? And Kane says to Adam Green, who's the director, by the way, big props to Adam Green. He's like the easiest guy in the world to work with. And he gets so excited when he gets a great shot. I mean, everybody loves the guy. Matter of fact, I'll tell you how much they like him, and you'll realize how hard this is to pull off. <laughs> when we did the last one, the fourth one called Victor Crowley, he asked everybody on the set, don't tell anybody we did this. Now, you know everybody's trying to say what they did last, right? Right. Well, he invites all the Hatchet fans down to, I think it was, what was it? The Egyptian Theater, right there on Sunset Boulevard or Hollywood. You know, one of the real famous ones where they always have premieres. Yeah. And he brings them down to show them Hatchet 1, 2, and 3. Wow. Right, because they're big fans. And they're gonna make it, we're going to make a night of it. So all these fans come down to see it, and Adam goes up front. He goes, all right, I have to tell you that uh, I promised to show you one, two, and three, but we can't do that because of time. But I thought you might like to see something different, right? And everybody's looking at them like, what's going on? And he goes, what you may not have known is that we we did Hatchet 4. It's called Victor Crowley, and you're the first people that are ever going to see him. Roll it. And just walk back, and I mean, the the place went crazy, you know? (laughs) Adam knows, Adam knows how to how to do things. I'm telling you, he's a good dude too. But on when they asked the girl to, you know, for uh, hit Kane with Kane asked Adam, he says, "Is it okay if I get hit in the face? I want to close up with a shovel hit my face." And he's got the mask on, but the mask would you know would help a little bit, but it would be kind of like having a glove on when you hit your hand with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> not going to help much. Right? right. Well, we had a plastic shovel that was a stunt shovel, but the ground out there was super hard, and they were digging holes with this. So you can imagine how strong this was. One some wimpy little piece of plastic. So Adam goes, okay, if that's really what you want to do. And the girl says, I'm not going to swing it. She, he says, no, Rick will do it. He's off camera. And I'm thinking to myself, Kane wants me to hit him in the mud with a shovel? Wait, what? Is it my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to hit him in the mud with a shovel. So <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, go about, you know, not super hard the first time. And he says, and if I look, stand up and look at you again, hit me harder. <laughs> I said, okay. So I hit him about a third strength, which still is pretty strong. And you hear the thing go, boom! And, you know, he takes the hit and he kind of leans over for a second. And he shakes his head and he stands back up. And he looks at me. Wow. Right? Yeah. So I go, okay. And I wind up and I, I gave it a pretty good swing, about a little over half speed, maybe maybe more than that. And went, boom. And I mean, I knew I connected with him because I could feel the thing go up both of my arms, like, boom. You know, 
you know, like when you hit a baseball, you hit something, you know, baseball real hard. Or, right. You know, you the shock of it. Yeah. Right? And he, he does the reaction, he kneels over, you know, and he's just kind of leaning over. And he shakes his head for, you know, a couple times. And he stands up. Now, I figured I probably killed him. And he looks at me, and this this will tell you people out there, if you're wondering if Kane is really as tough as you might think, <laughs> this is what he said to me after I hit him that hard with the thing. He looks up at me, and he just smiled, and he goes, harder. Oh, my God. So wow. I blasted him and busted the shovel on his face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and the reason I tell you that story is, number one, it shows you that Kane is not some prima donna actor. Right. You know, at all. Not even close. That should be the, the, the title. That story is actually in my book. But I think, you know, if I was to write another book, it'd be called I Broke a Shovel on Kane Hodder's Face. <laughs> <laughs> actually, by the way, I am writing a second one. I already have the title, I think. Yeah, my guardian angel just called for backup. That'll yeah, be cool. That hey. pretty much explains my life, you know? Right, exactly. I, no. I mean, you've read... You've read some of the stories in the book. Some of them in there are quite scary, some of the crap that's happened to me. Yeah, some are very scary for sure. And I also like that you added personal things like encounters with your mom and your dad and just like different things like that, too. So, yeah, you've had like heartwarming ones and then you've had some pretty scary ones, too, for sure. Definitely. A lot of stuff, and it's neat that you're working on a second book. Good for you. That's awesome. Well, you know, was, well, you know what actually happened the other day? Uh, somebody had asked me about a convention, if I want to come to the convention, and she said that you need to talk to this guy. So I started talking to him, and he said, I read your book. He says, I want to publish it. I said, well, it's already published, right? Yeah. He goes, I want to publish the second book. He says, I really like the way you wrote that. I was like, wow, that's cool, you know. One of the things about the book that, you know, I'm not trying to sell books here. If you want to, if you like ghost stories and things like that, this is a good book for you to read and little behind the scene movie stuff and things like that. But unlike other ghost hunting books, when anything has happened that was really bizarre, I and anybody else was there, I let them put in their version too, unedited. You know, I just put it right in there, whatever they said. Right. Now, like what happened to me at Left Castle, or it wasn't Left Castle, it was actually at Hellfighter Club, when I got the amazing responses off the Frank's box, the girl that was standing there, she put her thing, her version in, and the words that had come out, she put them in a different order than I had, but they were the same words and it's the same, same story no matter what. So I always like to let other people put in what they saw because I think it gives a lot more validity to the book. That is good. That is nice for sure. Absolutely. And... I, not with my investigations and in my book, but I kind of have like a chapter just dedicated to people putting in their own things as well. And, but I like that you did it that way too, where it's like, you know, you're sharing what happened and then someone else who was there does the same and no, that's neat in their own words for sure. And that's why I love having people on like yourself because it's like, you know, people aren't just listening to me talk about the paranormal. They're listening to several other people as well. And well, that's it exactly. And that's why I put other people's things in there because yeah, some of the things that happen in there are way beyond the pale, shall we say. I mean, I saw a uh, full body apparition in England in the Norwich theater 
that it was so close I could have reached out with my left hand and touched it on the head. And I thought it was because it was dark down there, but you could see the, see the person standing there. And there was a pipe that ran across the middle of the basement where we were. And on that side, there was like the electrical boxes and the uh, things to pull the curtains. And we were not allowed on that side of the pipe. And I was up against the pipe, so I was as far as you could go. And I was looking around, and I looked back, and there's somebody standing there. So I turned back to see who it was, and the girl that runs Anubis Paranormal, who's a, who's very good investigator, I see her look at me, and she got this look on her face, and I look back, and there's nothing there. I turned back and looked at her, and she goes, you saw him too, didn't you? And I went, yeah, I sure did. So her, her version is in there of what happened, you know, so I yeah. think it adds to the book, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I just say, it is so exhilarating when you when you have evidence like that you know like i've seen full-bodied apparitions as well and it's just like an adrenaline rush it's like oh my god this is amazing this is phenomenal this is really special evidence you know well there comes a time when something happens when you're ghost hunting when you go i I don't have any more doubts (laughs) i have no doubts about there being ghosts paranormal any of that stuff it's real i've seen it it's happened to me many times you know, you get skeptics and you just go, okay. Yeah. I, I can't make you relive what I've gone through. You know, you just need to go out and get your own thing. Right. And I'm like that too, where it's like, I have had so much happen to me. I have had so many experiences, encounters, collected phenomenal evidence throughout the years. You know, these amazing voices, things caught on video and tape that there's no doubt at all it's not about believing it's about knowing i absolutely full-heartedly 100 legit know that there's stuff out there you know and people like me and you we've captured it we've captured evidence we've you know worked hard to do that as well and so i we're kind of jumping into paranormal on the paranormal train now and so rick to date What's your most active investigation that you've conducted? Well, you know, I can't, I can't really pick one because there's, there's several that really stand out. The first time we went to David Oman's house, there was a lot of activity at that. And anybody who doesn't know David Oman, he, he lives next door to where the uh, Manson family killed Sharon Tate. And, uh, right. his, his house, you know, up in the Hollywood Hills is definitely haunted. And I don't, I don't give my seal approval very easily, but his house is really haunted. Because I've been there many times, and it never fails to, you know, to show itself. So that place. But what happened at Lep Castle, I can never top. What actually happened at Bolton Abbey in Yorkshire, England, with uh, Anubis and Premier, Premier Paranormal, I mean, one person got knocked out. Jeez. Yeah. We actually picked him up, threw him over a fence, and we ran him over and got him sitting, because it was cold out, we got him sitting on this one guy who was, two guys that were with us were bouncers from Liverpool. And one guy, who's a big guy, he's, Brian's leaning up against him, and they're sitting there, and I'm watching. Now, I do the water safety on, on movies, because, you know, I'm a, a certified scuba diver. I was an all-American swimmer in high school. I also have been trained in CPR and, and all, all different things, you know, and I was a lifeguard years so you know if it's around water i know how to do it but i'm watching 
him, and I notice he starts getting these micro shakes, you know, in his chest. Yeah. So I'm watching him real good, and I just turned to uh, Mandy. I said, Mandy, we, I'm going to get him on the ground and find something to raise his feet. So I pull him off there, and I lay him on the ground because I'm afraid that he's going into shock. So she brings her two equipment cases over, and we put her feet up on there, and he's, you know, he's still shaking. Right? Man. So I'm like rubbing his arms and stuff like that and just patting his face trying to get him to wake up. Yeah. And I, I take my coat off and I put it on him. And he's still doing that. So other members of the group started taking their coats off. You know, everybody was really concerned about him. And we were all trying to help him. So finally he starts coming back around. And one of the weirdest things was there was a girl there that, Carol Ann, her name is. She and Mandy and I were walking because this is like a big abbey, it's a real big place. And earlier in the day, we've been walking towards this one gate where, where you leave. And I'm watching, you know, because she's walking in front of me, and I see Mandy's necklace go whoop on her neck. And she goes, ow! And she actually got a, uh, like a friction burn from it being pulled. Jeez. Right? Yeah. And she tells me, and it was actually a metal that was uh, blessed at the Vatican. Well... I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but, you know, you got to bring that into the conversation. Absolutely. But she says, well, you know, the legend of this place is if it's trying to possess you, it won't let you leave. I said, well, that looked like it didn't want you to leave. It <laughs> grabbed you by the necklace. Yeah. So she goes, well, let's go. And she starts to walk and she stops. She goes, wow. She says, something's really keeping me here. And I said, well, you know, you got to just fight through it. And go. And she goes, yeah. And she soldiers on and gets through there. Well, Carol Ann had been a soldier. She's no shrinking violet by any stretch of the imagination. And she gets up next to the fence and she stops. She goes, it doesn't want me to leave. I said, you got to do it. She soldiers on in both ways because she really was a soldier. Right. And goes, so now it's my turn and I walk right through because obviously, obviously it doesn't want me to stay. <laughs> get out. Get out of here. <laughs> Here's, here's the really weird part. After uh, the one guy got knocked out and we were starting to get him back, Peter, who was one of the bouncers, and I picked him up underneath his arms, and he was staggering. We were trying to get him to the car so he could go get some hot chocolate or coffee to get him warmed up. So we had about 100 yards to walk with him, and you know he's stumbling, he's got his head down, and we're all really concerned about him. Two people went and ran and got the truck to bring it up right to the gate. So I'm thinking... I want to see what happens to him when he gets to the gate, right? Yeah. After I saw him. So I'm really watching that. And he's, now you got to understand, we've got him under the arms, and he's staggering, and he's got he's looking at the ground. He doesn't see where this where we're taking him. He hasn't looked up the whole time because he's like dead weight almost. we got about 10 feet from the gate, and he jerks his head up and shoves backward as hard as he can. And I was like, Okay, there is something to this story. I just went over Peter and I said, Peter? And he goes, okay. And we just lifted him up under his arms, just scooted right through the opening and tossed him in the back of the truck. There's just been some things, that, you know, like that. I can't explain him getting knocked out. And, you know, you have to read the book because that story is fascinating. And I don't want to blow the uh, big surprise that's in the book about that. And I don't want to, like, Lep Castle has a ridiculous surprise to it. But yeah, there's been some really, really haunted places that we've been to. Right. At Norwich Theater in Liverpool, where we saw the, the full body apparition, you know, there's been a lot of them. You know, if you look at the back of the book, there's a list of some of the places that I've been. And I mean, 
there's a lot of really famous places in there. Right, absolutely. We've been real fortunate invited there. I'll tell you another one that was really interesting was Scottish Paranormal, which I'm a member of. They made me an honorary lifetime member. Wow. You know, they actually have taken me several places. We go ghost hunting together all the time. And Anubis had invited me over to England, and Premier Paranormal had driven me there. So a friend of mine was the manager of the Real Mary King's Close, which is a very famous haunted location. Uh, it's like, you know, part of the city underground, right downtown Edinburgh. Wow. And uh, he tells me one day, and we've been friends for a while, he says, why don't you do a ghost down here? And I said, no way. He goes, why not? I said, that manager guy, he's a crook. He probably charged me. <laughs> so he goes, I wouldn't charge you anything. And I said, yeah, see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> so I called up people from Anubis and asked them if they wanted to send three people over because they're driving from England. And I called up Scottish Paranormal and they only had two people that could come that night. And I got the two people from Premier Paranormal. And I had uh, what I call the Peri-Unity ghost hunt. And one of the things that I wanted was during the night for them not to ghost hunt with their their partners, to ghost hunt with the other teams. So everybody was ghost hunting with new people, and it turned out fantastic. We got a lot of weird stuff happened. One of the guys from Scottish Paranormal, he said, man, that's one of the most active investigations I've ever been on. And when you get people like, you know, I have to brag about Scottish Paranormal. They have maybe the best ghost hunting group in the world. I mean... They are the only place I know, and there's probably others, but the only one I know of, that they actually have a, uh, not a clubhouse, but an actual learning center and uh, evidence center that's a storefront right in, in this town. And if somebody has, you know, video or audio or just questions about the paranormal, they open it up every Monday for people to come in and, and just chat and, you know, get some learning. So, I mean... You know, they're, they're an incredible group, and when they say that they're having some of the best evidence, you know, best uh, activity they've ever seen, you know that's pretty special. Absolutely. And that's really neat that they do that, that they, every Monday, invite people to come over and, you know, whether it's to show their own evidence or have questions or something. I think that's really neat that they take time out to do that. Yeah, they are, and they are actually some of the nicest people I've ever met. Besides me, it was right? Funny, uh, well, just like you, yes. Um, <laughs> Gregor Stewart, who uh, was the guy that I, I originally got in contact with, because I, I just put on Facebook, hey, I want to ghost hunt in Scotland. You know, has anybody got some good things? I started talking with Gregor, and I was staying in St. Andrews, and he goes, hey, why don't I take you for a little trip around St. Andrews? And I said, okay. I said, you know, I had just fallen in the forest and, and just destroyed my knee, so I was limping pretty bad. Yeah. But I said, all right, okay. So he takes me on a tour, him and Ryan and Kyle. Kyle is Gregor's son and is a, is a phenomenal photographer. He's got these calendars of Scotland mm. that are just phenomenal. Matter of fact, anybody that follows me on Facebook, they showed me, you know, I just showed them, I just got them like two days ago, so I was all excited. But Allie is also like a world-class cook. You know, he has a cafe, but I mean, he can make anything. He has his own cookbook out, paranormal cookbook. Scotland. Gregor has about eight books. Ryan has several. So, I mean, these guys are, are real legit. So, um, I was real happy when they made me a lifetime member. That was, that was very cool. That is very cool. What an honor, for sure. You know, when I was reading your your book, 
One thing I noticed, which was really cool, is a name that was very familiar to me. A name of a man, a friend of mine, who's actually on my radio show and on the podcast, uh, Gary Fields. Oh, yeah. And I know you guys kind of had a spooky thing happen to you guys. Well, Gary Fields was one of the guys that was at Bolton Abbey when uh, the other guy got knocked out. Okay. I actually think... We actually stayed overnight in Gary's house. He was uh, kind enough to let us uh, stay at his house when we drove over there. That is so and cool. Gary Fields, Gary Fields was also one of the guys who came to the Real Mary King's Close. That's awesome. Yeah, he is such a sweet guy. I always love talking with him and chatting with him, and he's always so friendly and yeah, he's like, anytime you come out here, I will show you all the places and, you know, you can feel free to stay at my place. Like, he's just like, I I just like people like that. Just really sweet, down to earth, friendly, accommodating people. You know, it's like, as soon as you meet them, we're friends, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry, Rick. I think we're okay. It's showing back up again. Did you inflict your will upon that harmless machine? I think it like, you know, it's like, do I have to kick your ass? <laughs> well, I, I have to tell you, years ago I had a computer and it went blue screened of death on me. Yeah. And they told me, they said, this cannot be fixed. Oh. So I went out and I bought a new one. And then I thought, you know what, I want to do something funny on Facebook. So I took took the cables off and I set it up on the, you know, up a little higher than I normally would. And I walked in and I said, all right, this this computer has been messing with me long enough. And I punched it. It went flying and up against the wall and busted and things went flying. <laughs> and I went, there, get that, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody thought I had busted a really new, good computer. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's great. So we're talking about investigations and i think it's just kind of so neat that you've been to so many places to investigate not only throughout the united states but you know like scotland and ireland and one of those places is australia now i've wanted to go to all three of those places obviously but what what happened in australia talk a bit about your australian paranormal adventures well, my Australian paranormal adventures were basically just me. But I did ghost hunt this one building that the uh, director of the movie and uh, several of the cast, um, you know, they stayed on this, at this place. His house was next to this big, big uh, factory building. And we went in there, we went through, we actually didn't get anything. But we did. I did get to ghost hunt there. But the one thing was, we are staying in this what they called a retreat, I guess. And in this place, there was, when we got there, there were bunk beds, but there was no dresser, there was no chair, no TV, no radio, no telephone, no towels, no sheets, no pillows, (laughs) nothing, right? So the the entire crew is staying there with the exception of a couple of the higher end, uh, like Kane and a couple other people, Tara Reed, you know, were staying in the Gold Coast in real nice, accommodations and I mean there was nothing to do there there was absolutely nothing to do and if I wasn't working you know on a day I would drive because I rented a car I I would drive into this little town that's about 10 miles away called Imbil and Imbil is like a block long 
mean, that's the whole town. Mm, wow. And, and they've got like two, two restaurants and a bar, right? So I tried the one restaurant and found out that when you ask for a burger with everything, it comes with beets on it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> let me tell you, that tastes terrible. I bet. Right? And then I went down to the bar. It was called the Railway uh, railway Station Bar because it was right next to where the train used to stop. The train doesn't run anymore. So I'm in there, and I got to know the girl, you know, behind the counter. And I finally asked her, I said, is this place haunted? She goes, oh, yes. I said, really? She goes, oh, yeah. And I said, because upstairs was a hotel. And I said, uh, how much does it cost to stay in the hotel? And she goes, well, it's kind of expensive. It's $35. <laughs> really? And she goes, yeah, but nobody ever stays up there. Because, you know, like the girls don't even want to go up there and, you know, clean it at all. Wow. She goes, it's empty almost the whole time. I said, so in other words, if I give you $35, I get to ghost hunt the entire hotel by myself? And she goes, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I actually did it two days in a row, and I got a lot of stuff. It was hard to justify the stuff because right outside the door where the railroad tracks were, all the trucks that were coming to deliver stuff to the bars and the restaurants, you could hear the tailgate go, come on, ba-boom. You know, and anybody, any cars going over, go, ba-boom, ba-boom, you know. Right. And you'd hear that all the time. But, you know, I, I was getting readings off the other equipment and stuff, so it was, it was pretty interesting. And... Got to be good friends with the girl, not not in a funny way, just really friendly. Yeah. And I remember we had to move out of the retreat one time. They took it to a, to another place, and all the sheets and everything were polyester, which I'm allergic to. Mm. And there were bugs everywhere. Now, you know, I'm not a bug phobe or anything, but I mean, there was like, you couldn't sit down. There was like 50 to 100 bugs in this little room. Oh, my God. So I called up the girl. She goes, I said, can I get a room tonight? And she goes, well, I'm just walking out the door. I said, well, can you leave me the key somewhere? And she goes, I said, I'll pay the lady in the morning when I come down. She goes, okay. She goes, I'll leave the key on the washing, on, you know, on the top of the washing machine. All right. So I go drive all the way across town, get over to this place. It's closed. The infill is closed. And I walk around back and I see the washing washer and dryer, but it's behind a cape that's locked. Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm like, wow, I got no place to stay. Oh. Right? So I said, I'll walk around the other way and see if I can get in that way. And I walked around the, a little farther, and there was an old washing machine out there, and I popped the top up, and there was the key. Oh, so, nice. So I got in there, and I did another night's worth of ghost hunting. So same thing, you get, something's up there, but, you know, you know, I, frequently I do ghost hunt quite a bit by myself. Yeah, me too. I do that too, and a lot of people, many people frown upon that, and I'm just kind of like, you know, I travel so much by myself going through all these phenomenal states with all these amazing places and landmarks and places I've wanted to go to. And I'm not going to go, oh, no, I'm not going to go to Sloss Furnaces because my team's not with me. It's like, who the hell knows when I'll be back in Birmingham, Alabama? You know, it's just kind of like I love going out and investigating by myself. Well, you know, Kane and I were two of the first people to ever ghost hunt Sloss Furnace. That's cool. I love that place. That's a great place. Yeah, and it's it's very active too. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. The very first place I'd ever been touched. Oh, that's cool. That's neat. And then I got touched again on the face or on the arm at uh, Waverly. Yeah, I've been and touched at Waverly. Touched, yep. And I got touched gigantically at the at the Pioneer Saloon. If you remember that story, I do. Yes. 
Yes. Was, uh, you know, sometimes I see Zach Bagans on TV, everybody goes, oh, he's just putting this on. Well, I got to tell you, if you ever have one or two things attached to you, you know it, and there's no putting it on. I mean, you get, I got ice cold, I got instantly sick. I actually had to leave a ghost hunt place that I drove 250 miles to go to. And I just told him, I said, you know what, I'm not going to ruin this for you. And the weird thing was, they were filming it, and if you go on to uh, Rick McCullum EVPs on YouTube, uh-huh. you can see and hear the EVPs that they catch while this is happening to me. And for, for those who don't want to know, I can tell you what happened. We're sitting at, sitting at uh, these two round tables, seven of us, I guess, and Jill, who is the Haunted Lockdown director, was uh, telling us the stories of the place. And there was a girl sitting right next to me, and I had my K2 in front of me, and she had one. She put it down next to me because the way the tables were round, she had no table in front of her. She was in the little alcove kind of place. So I've got two K2 meters. They got, they've got all kinds of equipment all over the place. Well, nothing is going off except for the K2 meters in front of me. All right, so we're sitting there, and then I, I hear a girl's voice go, Rick! Another girl said, did you guys hear that? And they went, yeah. Right. So a little, little bit later, the, the things start going crazy again. And right then, I get instantly, violently ill. I mean, it's the only way to say it. I'm fighting as hard as I can not to throw up on the table. It was that bad. Hmm. And I'm just sitting there real quiet. She goes, Jill sees the K2s going off, and she goes, Oh, it looks like the spirits really like you. And I look over at her and I go, I'm not so sure they do. And you could tell just by the way I was actually goes, What's the matter? I said, touch my forehead. So she touched my forehead, and she goes, oh, my God, you're like ice. And the other girl reaches over and touches my left forearm, and she goes, you're like dry ice. You're so cold. I said, guys, I'm going outside. I don't want to get sick of you. So as I'm walking by, there's a girl that's about a foot and a half away from me facing the other direction. As I walk by, she goes, man, I can feel him from here. It was really scary. You know, uh, I wasn't scared for, you know, that I was going to die or anything like that. It was just knowing that something could have an effect like that on, on you, and the fact that I was so sick. When they ran the tape back, right after she says, I think they like you, and I said, I'm not so sure they do, the girl's voice says, we do. So when I come back in, I, I look at the people, and I said, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm really sick, and I want to ruin this for you. I'm going to take off. I said, 40 years of ghost hunting. You know, I said, I'm out. Right? And I lied, because it's been longer than that, but I just don't want to know how old I am. Um, <laughs> Of course, the gray hair isn't it. So I start to walk out, and you see me turn around and say, all right, guys, have a good hunt. I turn around and leave. Well, the first time that I said I, I'm going to take off, I turn, and the voice on the recorder says, turn Rick back. And you see me stop and turn and look back, and I say, I'm out of here. And I start walking away, and then a man's voice goes, release him. That was pretty damn interesting. I know. I've been there, too. It's, it is really... It's eerie how one can be affected like that, you know, how they can just have that much power. It's funny when people say, like, you know, ghosts can't hurt you, spirits can't affect you. And it's like, well, clearly you've never had a possession, an attachment, been attacked, been touched, anything really, you know. And so it's like, yes, they're very capable. They have control. They could do a lot of damage. Well, I, I'm not going to say what happened at Left Castle in Ireland, but I'm going to say, and, and you read it, I don't think there's anybody that's ever had an experience like I had. 
I really don't. It was that intense. I don't think, let's put it this way, when the other people are running into the Lord of the Castle and saying, how long will it take to get an ambulance here? We think Rick is dying. That you can pretty much assume that it's intense. And the fact is, I've been, my whole life, I've been used to getting bashed off stuff and everything else. I, I'm pretty hard to hurt. Right. You know? Right. And for me to be, just that one story is worth reading the book for. But there's other things in there that I really like, you know, that says, I'm trying to explain myself through the book. And, like, there's a part in there where I saved my dad from shooting himself in the head. There's another time where I saved my little brother from drowning. He was one year old, and he was sitting on the bottom of the lake when I went down to get him and grabbed him up in time. Hmm. It, it was just fortunate I found him because, you know, I saw him go under. You know, my stepmother was was uh, swimming with him out to the raft, and these two big dogs, Major and Baron, they were Great Dane and uh, German Shepherd mix. They were huge. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, they decided they wanted to swim out to the thing, too. And about halfway there, they realized they couldn't swim that far. And the closest landmass was my little brother and his mom. And they go over there trying to mount on top of her so they're not drowning. And, oh, they, you know, they're whacking away at her. Foot and she's, she's trying to swim, trying to hold my brother. And she's smacking at him. And they're, they're beating the hell out of him. Right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, one of them hits my little brother, and he sinks. Right? He's a year old. Oh, geez, so yeah. Maybe year, maybe maybe a year and a half, maybe even a little older than that. But he's still a little baby. Right? Yeah. he was wearing diaper. Right. And uh, I'm probably 30, about 30 yards away from him, and I see him go in, and I don't think babies can hold their, their breath very long, and being underwater, he's going to freak. And it was so surreal. I, I, I still see this in my mind's eye every once in a while. I'm swimming as, as fast as I possibly can. I mean, faster than I possibly can because I'm trying to find him in the dark water. And I'm swimming and swimming and swimming. I look down and I see a flash of white, which is the, the diaper. So I swim down, you know, farther and I'm just about out of breath. And he's sitting there like Buddha, you know, the famous Buddha statue. Yeah. He's sitting on the bottom just as chilled out as a person could be. And he sees me coming. And you know how a baby will raise their arms up to you and, you know, work their fingers when they want you to pick them up? Yeah. He did that while I was swimming down. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Oh. I was like, oh, here comes somebody. Here I am, baby down. You know? oh. so, so I snagged him and drug him to the top. And wow. He was not the worst for wear. He was really bizarre. And how old were you, Rick, when that happened? I was 13, 12 or 13. Oh, okay. So quite a good amount of years between you guys. Well, yeah. Actually, I would have been... 13, probably getting ready to be 14, I think, because I'm 13 years older than him. Incredible story. Yeah, incredible indeed. And how cute. I could just see this little baby, you know, raising those little arms up. with. It's like, yes, pick me up, save me, help me. I was looking at him with a little thing, you know, his arms pointing right at me, and his little fingers, you know, like trying to grab stuff. <laughs> All right, I might as well take you up. Let's go. <laughs> You owe me one, though, kid. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, you owe me. My dad, he almost got killed in that house, too. So, oh, wow. I mean, there's, and I, I do think that was my first psychic experience because I was standing there, and he, he put the gun into his eye because he was so mad at my stepmother because he had already checked the gun to make sure it was empty, and she starts screaming because of the baby, and the baby, and he goes, it's empty. I just checked it. And he takes the bolt back, and he pushes it up, and he pushes it under his right eyebrow, right? Yeah. And he puts his finger on the trigger, 
And I'm standing there, and I heard this voice inside of me. I don't know if it was my subconscious, if it was something else. But, you know, no. And I reached out, and I grabbed the gun, and I pulled it. And just as I pulled it, the gun went off, and the bullet went right past his forehead and through the ceiling. Jeez. Oh, so, wow, yeah. That'll leave a mark on you, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not many walk away from something like that, that's for sure. Well, I meant it, meant it left a mark on me. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Can yeah. you imagine if you accomplished that, what I would have been looking at? That's just hard yeah. to fathom. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 do, I do have two superhero saves, so I, I'm expecting my spandex suit and my cape in the mail any day now. Really? Yeah, if I'm going to be a hero, I need an outfit. It's just the way it is. So describe this outfit. What, like, you know, what are your heroic talents? Well, i got to tell you, uh, I'm, I'm not really in favor of having one of those suits because I've worn those spandex suits for, like, the motion capture. Yeah. And I look at myself in the mirror with one of those skin-tight things on, and I look like a sack full of doorknobs. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, <laughs> this is not a good look. And yet you're getting one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I figured the superheroes of, of United will send me one. I, you know, I didn't send away for it or anything. You know, so. <laughs> I remain ever hopeful. I mean, it has been, you know, 40 years since that happened, so I guess they probably forgot about me. Bastards. I, I will tell you one other thing that, that has nothing to do, it, it might have something to do with the paranormal. I don't know. We were doing a show in, in Nashville, a home show, which was our family business. And I was the one in charge of setting it all up. And we had a, uh, we let the cars drive in to drop their stuff off. And this this uh, lady comes over to me, and the exit door is right, you know, probably 25, 30 yards from me, and that's where our table is. And the security guys are standing there. And I, this lady comes up to me, and she's talking to me. We're standing in the exit, but it's like, 50, you know, 10 yards wide. There's plenty of room, right? Yeah. And I'm standing there, and I, I just get this feeling, and I turn my head real quick, and there is a uh, flatbed truck. Now, you know what the flatbeds are? They're low down with the big, wide metal, you know, things that go over the wheels. Yeah. And I see that it's going to hit the woman. Right? The guy must have made a turn and didn't see us or whatever it was, but he's going pretty fast. He's, oh. probably, he's going way too fast for being in the building. He looked like he was mad. Jeez. So I reach out and I grab her and I start to pull her towards me. And right where we're at is one where somebody had built a small building. So the building's against my back. I've got nowhere to go, and it's too late to run. So I had to make a snap decision, so I figured, well, if it's going to hit one of us, it's going to hit me. Hmm. And I just grabbed her under the armpits, and I lifted her up in the air over the over the wheel well. And I stuck my, my fat ass into that wall as hard as I could. And it just went past me. You know, you, I mean, it almost busted both of my legs. Oh, jeez. Right? And I set her down. And the lady starts screaming at me, how dare you pick me up? What are you doing? I'm going to call the police. Right? What? Well, she didn't know what happened. She had well, she had her back turned to it. She didn't see it coming. All she knows is that I grabbed her and lifted her up. She's like, you know, that she was really mad. Yeah. And right there, top of the security guard had seen it. And they come running over and they're like, holy crap, was that close? And she goes, what happened? He goes, you're lucky you're alive. She goes, what do you mean? She goes, and they told her, she goes, I'm so sorry I yelled at you. And I, okay. And I said, if somebody picked me up and I didn't know something was going on, I'd be a little peeped about it myself. Right. Wow. So I, so I think that should have bumped up my getting my outfit, but still nothing. 
You know? Right, yeah. I'm not sending my dues in anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I'll find the people and I will write them a letter of recommendation going, excuse me, what the hell do you think you're doing? Get this guy his spandex hero suit. Don't forget my cape. And, yes, and that cape. Absolutely. I can see that cape now flowing majestically in the wind. I don't move fast enough for it to flow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I always have such a good time talking to you, even when we're not on the air. Same. Yeah, I have a lot of fun talking with you, too. There's always a good amount of laughs and scary moments with Monster Voice and what have you. I know, right? I mean, you know, one of these times you're going to be like all like in bed and all of a sudden you're going to hear something underneath the bed going, Rick. <laughs> and then it's like, well, let me put it this way. if any guy that comes into my room that would sound like that besides he wants to be in my bedroom, I'm stuffing him under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, we gotta, one of these days, we gotta, like, prank call some people and, you know, just use the monster voice and scare the hell out of them. Oh, you know what I just found out? Huh. I'm going to be leading a three-day tour into Tombstone in Tucson in October. Really? When in October? Because I'm going to be in Tombstone for my birthday in October. Like I'm not exactly sure the dates are. Okay. Yeah. I know it's in October the other day. And I immediately thought of you. Yes, yes, because I'm going to be there. I'm going to, my birthday is October 22nd, and I'm planning on being there, I believe, on the 20th, and just be there for several days. So, yeah, let me know. Huh? I think we'll be going by now, before that, because I kind of think, because I have two conventions to go to in October, and they're both towards the middle and the end of the month. Okay. So this has to be early, has to be early October, like maybe ninth, tenth, and eleventh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you never know. It has a tendency for those things to change a little bit, you know, due to COVID and everything else. So yeah. you never know when it's going to happen. Actually, I was supposed to be leading a nine-day Scotland tour this year, and that got canceled because of COVID. So. I know. I know you were so excited to do that, too. And when you told me that it was canceled, I was so bummed out for you. I mean, it wasn't like canceled, canceled, right? It was just kind of like a delay and for next year. Yeah, it's they're doing it the, kind of the same dates next year. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to wait an extra year, which is a huge bummer. But at least it'll still happen. And when it does, well, I'm sure it'll be epic. There was a girl that worked at the bar right there where I always stay that I, that I like. It's uh, been like two years now. By the time I get back, she'll be married with 11 children. Oh, my. That's a lot of children. Well, you marry, marry somebody who has a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> like three bunch of the Waltons combined. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Way, when we were doing it in Mansfield, Christopher Knight, these are two great stories, i got to tell you. Christopher Knight, the guy who played Peter Brady yeah. from the Brady Bunch, was, was in the movie. He's a really cool dude. But we were staying at this one hotel, you know, most all of the cast except for the upper echelon guys. And I came walking out of my, my room to, you know, drive over to Mansfield. And there were these two ladies in house house dresses, right? Yeah. And they looked at me and they, the one looks at me with big eyes, you know, and she goes, 
do you know Peter Brady? Because they put an article about we were there, and then obviously they found out where we were staying. <laughs> I said, you mean Christopher Brady? And she goes, yeah, Peter Brady. <laughs> and I went, well, I've met him. And she goes, really? I said, as a matter of fact, I'm going right now to kill him. And she looks up, you know, big starry eyes. She goes, are you in the movie? <laughs> There's the movie. <laughs> and their eyes, I mean, they both got huge. Like they're, oh, my goodness, he's going to kill her loose and he's going to kill Peter Brady. Oh my God. But I can walk So I'm pretty sure that, you know, uh, they had some talking to do around the old campfire that night. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> then years later, they're watching Hatchet 2, and they're like, oh, that that bastard, he's the one who killed our Peter Brady. Well, thankfully, he gets his at the end with that chainsaw. Yeah, he gets it in the nuts with the chainsaw, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do have to tell you something, you know, because I killed Peter Brady, and an angel and you know once you kill one of the Brady Bunch you pretty much want to kill the rest of them you know so (laughs) just the way it is and they were right down the street from me when they did we rebuilt the Brady house really they already done it by the time I know they were there that's crazy because I would have been down there man I've been choking out Brady's right and left (laughs) it seems like everybody was in love with Marsha Brady Marsha Marsha (laughs) Marsha Well, Rick, it is always just such a pleasure talking with you, my friend, and we will definitely do it again sometime. And you guys just remember, check out his book. He also has a magazine. And your magazine, is it an online thing or is that like what people, you know, where they could go to Barnes and Noble or somewhere else and get it? Nope, it's online and it's free. So if you don't like it, you don't get your money back. (laughs) Yes, yes. And when's the newest magazine? Because I sent something for him to put in it. And so you might see me in it. That's true. When it comes out next, I don't know. We already have the celebrity interview done. And that's going to be Steve Deshabi from Dead Files. And the problem is uh, the guy who does my website has had some family emergencies. Mm-hmm. So Bummer. everything's been kind, of, kind of been put on the back burner and you know, I'm okay with that because, you know, family first. Right. No, absolutely. I totally, totally get that for sure. Well, hopefully everything gets better for him. And yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun when it is out. When it is, let me know. And I will. If anybody wants to look at the archives, because the first person that I interviewed was Zach Bagans. The second person I interviewed was uh, Aaron Ryder from Destination Truth. The third one was Nick Groff. The fourth one was that cuddly little Kane Hunter. <laughs> and now Steve Deshabi is the next one. But if they want to read any of the old stuff, all they have to do is go to HGH Mag, which stands for Hollywood Ghost Hunter Magazine, dot com, HGHMag.com, and you can read it, read all the previous stuff. Very cool. Very, very cool indeed. So be sure to do that, you guys, and check out Rick's scary movies. Woo. Yes, and by the way, if they happen to be on Facebook, if they go to Ghost Believe in Me on Facebook, they'll show the tours that we were going to do, and they're still going to do them, and they're going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a a thing about the book. There's a video about, you know, some stuff. So that's pretty cool, too, Ghost Believe in Me on Facebook. Very cool. By the way, you you know how I got that name for the book? Huh. I was doing a... 
uh, an interview like this, and the guy got a little snarky with me, and he goes, do you really believe in ghosts? And I went, no. And, you know, dead air, which is exactly what I wanted after he was being a jerk. And he goes, really? I said, yeah, ghosts believe in me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. A lot of people heard it, and they heard it. everybody was cracking up about that. Well, ghosts believe in you. <laughs> so that's, that's how that came about. Yeah, no, I like the name. Good title for sure. Good book, you guys. And Rick is awesome. And if you message him, he will respond back. And yeah, get yourself a autographed copy for sure. And by the way, one other thing that I always like to tell people, because it's one of my things I really like to do, I give a portion of the profits from the book sales to St. Jude's Hospital. Very cool. Yeah, I think you told me about that, and I forgot all about that. That is really a very sweet thing that you do, for sure. So, just another reason why to get the book. I did it with the t-shirts, too, but now I'm almost out of t-shirts, and there's nobody open to make more. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got to (laughs) do? Anyway, well, thanks for having me, Tessa. Tessa, thank you for having me. Rick, my pleasure always. I gotta meet you in person so I can actually see you do that. I'm kind of thinking you got one of them voice boxes you hold up to your neck and it does that. Oh hell no! Hell <laughs> any, no! Any time, my friend. Any any damn time. <laughs> That's scary enough without looking at you. <laughs> oh, I know that. There's a reason, sweetie, why I'm on podcast only. This face ain't for TV. That's not what I, <laughs> not what I meant. I, the scary part was that it actually comes out of you. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that was not, not meant as an insult in any way. Well, I always say it anyway. I always I always kid around saying that. I, I always insult myself, so there you go. <laughs> I had a girl tell me one time, she goes, you're, you're a very attractive man. I said, really? Then why is it every time I go on a movie set, they cover my face in foam? <laughs> <laughs> well, what a funny fella. It's always a pleasure talking with him. So big shout out to Rick McCollum for being on. Have you enjoyed this week's episode? I'll take that as a yes. Haven't heard every single episode yet. No need to cry, my friend. You could just head over to any of the podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Podcast Republic, Google Podcast, Deezer, Spotify, basically wherever you may roam to listen to your other kick-ass, spine-tingling, spooktacular podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Ozark, Arkansas, Fair Oaks, Indiana, Brighton, Colorado, Lombard, Illinois, and Shimla, India. Thank you so much, guys and gals, for listening. I really do appreciate it. Come back over next week. Check out the newest episode. Don't forget to subscribe. Write a review. You could always email me at paranormal.prowlers.podcast. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also hit me up If you're interested in getting Rick's book, and if you're, for some reason, not able to find him, let me know and I'll get you two connected. See you next week.